Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Wednesday, June 21st. This has been an eventful week so far for criminal charges against people named Trump and Biden. As we mentioned yesterday, just as it was breaking, the U.S. attorney appointed by Donald Trump to investigate Hunter Biden has concluded a plea deal with Hunter Biden, guilty to two misdemeanor tax evasion charges, plus a so-called diversion agreement to resolve a gun charge. But the Trump-appointed prosecutor, David Weiss, found nothing else on which to charge anyone named Biden, but says his five-year investigation is ongoing. We'll try to figure out what ongoing means. What is he still looking into after five years and after this plea agreement? And Donald Trump may have further incriminated himself in the classified documents case in answers he, he gave to Fox News anchor Brett Baer in a televised interview, answers like... These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things, uh, golf shirts, clothing, pants, shoes. There were many things. We'll explain Trump's new golf shirts defense and more now with Washington Post national politics columnist Philip Bump. Hi, Philip. Always great to have you on. Welcome back to WNYC. Good morning, sir. Happy to be here. Let's start with the Hunter Biden case and refresh our memories. This official Justice Department investigation went on for five years before they settled on these fairly minor charges. What took so long to get to this point? Uh, it's a great question. You know, Justice Department investigations operate in the dark. Uh, and, you know, we, for very good reasons, you know, the public is not privy to them, generally speaking. Uh, so it's not really clear why it took so long. Obviously, there was a transition of leadership of the Justice Department that doesn't tend to, to actually influence things. Uh, but we don't really know. Uh, it seems pretty obvious, though, that, for example, you had in 2020, two years into the investigation, uh, this release of this material that was alleged to have come from Hunter Biden's laptop that undoubtedly spurred uh, some new considerations and so on and so forth that may have uh, may have helped extend the timeline there. But the, the short answer is it's not entirely clear. And who is David Weiss? If people generally these days know who Jack Smith is, the special counsel investigating Trump, who is David Weiss, the prosecutor in this case, and how did he wind up in that role with Hunter Biden? Yeah, so he's a U.S. attorney. I was actually appointed by Trump. Uh, the 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 Biden probe uh, was being undertaken in Delaware, uh, and that's that's Weiss's territory. Uh, so you know, this is the uh, there there are processes even in unusual cases that the Justice Department employs uh, in order to determine what case goes where. And so this ended up in Weiss's lap. So he didn't have special counsel status like Jack Smith, right. but he was a Trump appointee. President right. Biden, therefore, had the power technically to remove Weiss once Biden took office, but he didn't do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, you know, it was, it was pretty obvious fairly early on that Hunter Biden had done things that were unsavory broadly and likely had, uh, you know, had violated uh, income tax laws. Uh, you know, there were there were reports uh, well before this week that Hunter Biden had uh, failed to pay his taxes and had actually repaid the government for what he owed. And that that's a charge. Likely, we also knew that when he had obtained this handgun that he obtained, 
that he had misrepresented his uh, his addiction status. That essentially, you know, there were there were laws about uh, your use of illegal drugs and, and owning a firearm, and he had, he had misrepresented that. So we'd known this for some time, and in fact, this has been something that the Republicans have been hammering on for some time. You know, how is Hunter Biden escaping any punishment for having done these things that basically everyone knows that he did? Uh, and so this week we saw the culmination of that. Weiss says the investigation is ongoing. Investigation of what? It's a great question. Uh, it's the, we, we know uh, from interviews with in a statement from Hunter Biden's lawyer that the attorneys were under the impression that this resolved all of the outstanding legal issues. Uh, it's not clear what Weiss is referring to when he talks about an investigation being ongoing. Uh, it's not clear, you know, if it means there are other things that Hunter Biden is alleged to have done that are being looked at. If there are other, you know, if, for example, he has business partners who are, you know, if, if I, I, it, we're not sure if it's Hunter Biden related or the activities related, right? Uh, because again, the Justice Department operates in the dark for, for good reason. Uh, so, so we don't know, but his attorneys at the very least were making public presentations that they didn't know that there was anything else out there. Uh, so it's not clear what that might entail. And of course, we know investigations like these can find things they weren't initially looking for. The Whitewater real estate investigation of Bill Clinton, while he was president, wound up following the breadcrumbs to his affair with Monica Lewinsky and all that flowed from that. Uh, So could it be anything that unrelated? It's hard to say, right? I mean, we we just we we have very little information about what the Justice Department is looking at. Again, we had Hunter Biden's laptop come out. There are all sorts of things on there uh, that certainly Biden's critics have pointed to as being things that are suspicious. Uh, you know, obviously, the the standard that the Justice Department applies to illegality is different than people who write into to Fox News. Um, but we we simply don't know. We do, we don't know what it might be. Uh, the Republicans in the House are very actively hyping this idea that there was this bribe paid to Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. There's no evidence that it's that, but it is a good example of things which had been presented to the FBI at some point in time that could have led to investigations that are ongoing and may ultimately lead nowhere. Yeah. So let me follow up on that, because as a lot of listeners have heard, but probably a lot of listeners haven't heard, the Republican-led House of Representatives is continuing its investigation, still hoping to turn up something incriminating about Joe Biden before next year's election. So here's a clip of Speaker Kevin McCarthy after yesterday's Hunter Biden plea deal announcement. House Republicans have been talking a lot about some kind of alleged bribery tape involving Joe Biden that so far they can't produce. And McCarthy here appears to refer to that. We found out, lo and behold, even though the, the FBI tried to hold from us, that in a 1023 form, the people have said that they had to pay the president's family money for favors. So, Philip, is that chatter or spin or something wholly made up? Because it's not something they've proved even exists, right? So can you explain that claim? Yeah, that's what what Kevin McCarthy said there is just flatly not true. Uh, you know, he says, you know, there, there are all these ways in which you use verbiage that implies things are bigger. You know, the Republicans also, also always talk about the Biden family receiving money, by which they mean two particular people in the Biden family who don't happen to be the president. He there said you have people who are doing it. You don't have people. You have one person uh, who apparently spoke with a, a an informant to the FBI years ago and said, you know, this is apparently an executive at Burisma, this Ukrainian energy company, who told this informant, hey, 
hey, I either tried to pay a bribe to or did pay a bribe of $5 million a piece to Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. I have audio recordings of my conversations with them that I'm using as 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 uh, security, uh, you know, for myself, if you will. Uh, this informant then in June of 2020 went to the FBI and said, yeah, this person told me this thing. That's literally it. And so so the informant apparently is credible and they've talked to the informant in the past. The informant was told this by this executive. That is that is literally all the evidence. And again, House Oversight has subpoenaed all sorts of bank records from Hunter Biden. There's no evidence there was any five million dollar payment. There's no, you know, even Republicans have had to admit they don't know if these purported tapes exist. Uh, but the, as a counterpoint, particularly to the Hunter Biden issue or you know, the Trump documents case, it's really, really weak. And there's just there is nothing about it that is known beyond that one person made one allegation to one informant years ago and that the Justice Department considered this in 2020 when Donald Trump was up for reelection against Joe Biden. And by August of that year had determined, according to how uh, Democrats who had spoken to the FBI, uh, they've decided not to pursue an investigation. So if that's all there is, why is this the number one topic on the conservative media hit parade this week? Well, two reasons. The first is that it serves as a juxtaposition to Donald Trump, that they are able to say, as the cover of the New York Post did a while ago, you know, hey, Trump did this, but what about what the Bidens did, right? Uh, you know, you sort of collapse the extent to which people understand uh, uh, the the uh, egregiousness of the actions, right? If you just say, well, Trump did a thing and Biden did a thing, you, you lose the important detail of the intense documentation of what Trump did versus the very light documentation of what uh, Biden did. Uh, but fundamentally, the reason this is all over Fox News is because there's not much else to do, right? You know, they the House Oversight Republicans have tried for a long time to impugn Joe Biden through Hunter Biden. They failed to do that. Uh, they had this big report that came out earlier this year that was basically nothing burger and didn't show any connection to Joe Biden. This is something new that they they have seized upon, uh, you know, that they've known about for a long time. And they they settled on it recently, but it, it doesn't seem to be getting any traction. Republicans, uh, we should say, are calling the plea deal a sweetheart deal and a slap on the wrist. And the implication is that because he's the president's son, they went easy on him. But does the fact that this was... Trump's handpicked guy investigating the family member of his biggest political rival disprove that? Or can we say there was any Joe Biden or Merrick Garland fingerprints on this? I, I I would be very surprised if there were Joe Biden fingerprints on it. I think this is one of those things that Joe Biden would probably be pretty assiduous about staying as far away from as possible, uh, given the, the precariousness of it. I, I would also be surprised if Merrick Garland weren't aware of the steps that were being taken with the investigation. I doubt, though, that Merrick Garland was saying, hey, you know, let's go easy on this guy. Um, we have seen that happen in the past with the attorneys general. I and mean, we saw, you know, for example, Bill Barr weigh in on how Roger Stone should face punishment. Uh, you know, during the Trump administration, I don't know that we have any evidence of that here. And Barr is fairly, fairly public about the way in which he did that. Uh, you know, this seems like the sort of thing that happens when you have white collar defendants, right? That that this is the laws were broken and it ends with a plea deal. And, you know, <laughs> this this seems like fairly familiar uh, lack of intense repercussions in, in situations like this that, that we've seen before. But, you know, this is so, so unique a circumstance that it's that it's sort of hard to draw even comparisons with other things. Philip, let's turn to the classified documents charges against Trump. At least two developments in that already this week. Judge Eileen Cannon has set a trial date of August 14th, 
which everyone seems to think will eventually be de- uh, be delayed by a lot. And there is Trump's Fox News interview with anchor Brett Baer, which some say further incriminate Trump. Here is a clip from the interview after Baer asks Trump why he didn't return classified documents after they were requested by the National Archives, which Trump refers to here by its acronym NARA. Because I had boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to NARA yet. And I was very busy, as you've sort of seen. So, Philip, is that a legal defense? I was too busy to return classified documents? <laughs> it is not. Uh, it, or at least it is not a particularly robust one. And I would be very surprised if his lawyers in court should have come to that, raise that as, as somehow exonerating. Uh, that is fundamentally, I mean, first of all, we should point out that it, it's an absolutely ridiculous excuse. Donald Trump had already gone through a number of these boxes. He had these things for months. You know, there's all sorts of reports of him playing golf or DJing at Mar-a-Lago and, you know, time, time that maybe he could have used to try and respond to the subpoena he'd received from the government. But he also had this box of highly classified documents that he kept in his office in a special leather-bound box that there's no report that there's anything else in there. You know, he didn't have shirts in with that box. He had that in his office. He very clearly knew that those documents were there. Those never got handed over. So that that sort of submarines his argument from the first place. But Donald Trump is not making a legal argument. He's making a political argument, in part because that's the terrain on which he feels comfortable, and in part because that's where he actually probably has a better chance of winning. If he is able to be elected president again, immediately the federal uh, uh, prosecution of him stops by by the standards that have been set by the Justice Department, and he could potentially uh, pardon himself, which is something that we talked about a lot during his administration. Uh, so it seems pretty likely to me that he understands that if he gets elected president, he is able to sort of wriggle out of this net uh, and that he knows much better how to win president, win the presidency than he does how to win uh, a, a criminal court case. So here's another moment from... The Fox News uh, anchor Brett Baer's interview with Trump that's making news. It relates to the tape that the indictment says it has with Trump telling a writer that he has a still classified document there that uh, there is his Bedminster Golf Club in New Jersey that details potential war plans reportedly against Iran. The indictment has a tape transcript that has Trump showing the writer the document and saying, look, look at this and that he couldn't declassify it because he's not president anymore, but he got it from the military. When Brett Baer asked him about that, it went like this. Brett, there was no document. That was a massive amount of papers and everything else talking about Iran and other things. And it may have been held up or may not, but that was not a document. I didn't have a document per se. There was nothing to declassify. These were newspaper stories, magazine stories, and articles. So, Philip, Trump appears to be contradicting himself if the indictment's tape transcript is accurate, where he says, look, look at this. I couldn't declassify this. Um, And here he's saying there was no document. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, Donald Trump lies a lot, so that's not terribly surprising. I mean, it is important to recognize, though, that. Again, Donald Trump is making a political case here. He is giving his base of support something to say, right? He's very good at that. He's very good at if there's something sort of percolating out there as a criticism of them, he gives them a way to talk about it that seems feasible. Like, oh, of course, he didn't have time to go through his boxes. That makes sense. Oh, of course, it was just a stack of newspapers and stuff. That makes sense, right? His base accepts that. They then will say it back whenever this is presented. It's important to consider that in the context 
of, of this criminal case, though, because obviously the Justice Department has a copy of that recording. They undoubtedly have spoken to the people that were in the room with Donald Trump at that point in time, these writers that were working on this 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 book for his former chief of staff. They were sitting in the room. He had staff members in the room as well. There is zero chance that they do not currently have an affidavit or other testimony from those people saying exactly what happened, what was in Donald Trump's hands, and so on and so forth. For Donald Trump, it doesn't matter. He can lie now. He's not under oath. He doesn't have to convince, you know, the, the voters are not a jury who are hearing only, uh, you know, certain evidence under certain conditions. He can say whatever he wants to the American public, and he has shown a willingness to do that. In the courtroom, though, I think it will very quickly be revealed, should it come to this, uh, that he does not actually, that 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 argument will not hold up. However, from what I've read, Trump's lawyers do, in fact, say they cannot find the document that Trump appears to refer to on the tape. So now we have Trump saying on TV that there is no document, even though he seemed to refer to one on the tape. But in a certain respect, there is no document. So what are the implications for the case if they cannot produce the physical document, but they have Trump on tape saying he is in the act of showing it to a writer? Yeah, well, I mean, again, you know, when you're in a courtroom, everything is offered through witness testimony, right? And so you'll have, for example, one of the authors on the stand, you will have potentially an affidavit this time, they will ask him, what was he holding? Did it look like it was cloud? You know, what it was written across the top? You have Trump's own words in that moment. And then, of course, you come down to reasonable doubt. I, I think the, the interesting aspect of your question, of course, is are there other documents that have been, you know, secured somewhere in some other facility, some other home? Donald Trump, we know, did not want his lawyers going through his stuff and figuring out what was there. Um, it, you know, this is demonstrated according to the indictment and according to reporting. Uh, so that they were unable to find something, I think, is probably more indicative of his having done a better job of hiding it than it not existing. Yeah. You know, the whole classified records indictment, does it even matter to the future of the country? I mean, after Watergate, Nixon resigned and he was so discredited and his party discredited by extension that Democrats swept the next two election cycles, 1974 and 1976. Clinton Lewinsky, I think we can say, helped George W. Bush get elected because Al Gore couldn't campaign on, look, I was part of this really successful administration. Uh, but the scary thing here for people worried about Trumpism, Trumpism leading to fascism, and that's a real concern on the part of a lot of people concerned about democracy in this country, is that even a conviction might not end it. And in fact, judging from Kevin McCarthy's and other Republicans' responses, might promote them to weaken the independent justice system explicitly if a Republican president gets into power in the next election circle uh, cycle. So does a verdict in this case really even matter that much to democracy in America? Uh, obviously, it's a it's a fair question, and it gets to the broader question, which is: Is there any point at which there will be Donald Trump will be held to accountability to the extent that his base of support understands the ways in which he undermined the system? Right? He has done a very good job with the the energetic assistance of his party of keeping his base convinced that they are in the moral right uh, against the deep state and the elites who are out to get all of them. He's done a very good job of that, and he has done a very good job of holding that power to the extent that Republicans feel so they have to go along with him. If he were convicted of this, 
does he then lose some of the support of his base? Does he lose the support of other Republicans who now feel as though he's too toxic? I, I don't know. I mean, he's already set the stage for this whole thing to be seen as a witch hunt uh, and for himself to be treated as as a martyr. He doesn't want to go to jail. Uh, but I think if he were to go to jail, I don't think that those those sentiments would erode. Uh, the question is, in a post-Trump era, which will eventually survive, will Republicans still feel as though these same appeals make sense? Or will they feel as though the appeals to, you know, honor and, you know, the stability of the American system and, you know, the processes and norms that guide Washington are the way to go? I think one of the shocks to the Republican system, Republican capital R, Republican system in 2016 was that they assumed that the base was operating in the same way that they were with the same respect for the norms and institutions as they did. And they found out given Donald Trump's elevation of, you know, conspiracy theories from Fox News and Breitbart, that they were wrong and that the base didn't care about that. And the base saw them as elites uh, in a in a, in a more direct way than I think they, they understood. Uh, and I don't know if there is a way in which they can thread the needle between being part of an established system with norms and processes and appealing to a base which loathes the elite's and the system and sees it all as toxic. I, I don't know if yeah. there's a way between those two things. I think I hear more Republican primary candidates saying this is a serious set of charges, even if Republicans in the House who are not running against Trump are mostly all in on calling it a witch hunt. You think? Yeah, I mean, I they are they're very attuned to what response they're seeing in the polls, I'm sure. And, you know, CNN just had a poll that came out yesterday that showed Donald Trump's favorability rating softening a bit with uh, likely Republican primary voters. I think they're probably seeing that in their internal polls as well. And so they're very cautiously sort of testing this message that he went too far. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the momentum continues on that. Philip Bump has been my guest, national columnist for The Washington Post and author of the book that came out this year, and you can go back and uh, listen to our interview with him about his book, The Aftermath, The Last Days of the Baby Boom, and the Future of Power in America. Philip, thanks as always. Of course. Thank you. Sir. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.